0: We eat when we're stressed, we eat when we're bored, we eat when we're upset, we even eat when we're happy. Let's face it, we're emotional beings and that is why so many people struggle with emotional eating. Hello and welcome to Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. Joining me today is someone who knows all too well about emotional eating. Welcome to Jonathan McLernan. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Jon- thanks for having
1: me. I, Jonathan, lo- I love that intro.
0: Yes, well you lost 100 pounds several times actually.
1: <laughs> you yeah, know all yeah. about
0: this. And now you are an emotional eating weight loss coach. So thanks so much for joining us, Jonathan. Yeah, you bet. So let's rewind a bit and give us your backstory, how you came to be where you were and how you came to be where you are today.
1: Yeah, you know, I say like uh, when I when I graduated high school, you know, a little over 20 years ago, which doesn't sound like that long ago, um, I, I never knew what the next 20, you know, if you'd have told me what the next 20 years were gonna look like, I, I would have said you were nuts, but uh, I've, I've had quite this very background from nanotech researcher to uh, marine engineer in the Navy. Uh, I've been a four-time entrepreneur. I've had two failed businesses. Um, I've been a globe-trotting English teacher um, for I spent three years doing that with my wife, and it was you know it was during my travels around the world that I went from being athletic and active to being morbidly obese, and it was as a result of um, trauma that I'd suffered about ten years ago while I was living in South Africa, and so that really began my weight loss journey in earnest. So prior to that, I would have probably thought that anyone who was overweight was just lazy or undisciplined because it wasn't something that I struggled with. Like I was just I was pretty active; it was just a part of my life but after turning to food as like a, a coping mechanism because i really didn't have the tools to deal with my trauma um, i found myself sort of wading into this murky world of like weight loss and, and, and diet culture and so after you know and as, as you mentioned you know i say i joke that i've lost more like 600 pounds because i lost and gained so much weight repeatedly and you know it was I, I say it was really a lot of time and energy wasted on um, looking for answers in all the wrong places and so when it was. It was finally I hired a coach in 2017 that shone a light on the like the glaring problem was staring back at me. And that was really my relationship to myself. So because of all of my failed attempts to lose weight, um, I had really become almost like angry and spiteful towards my body like, as though I felt it had somehow betrayed me. And, uh, you know, I, it's like I was repeatedly trying to punish into submission. And so this coach worked with me to really heal my relationship with myself and then by extension food. And that was this really a seismic paradigm shift that I could actually, you know, treat myself with love and compassion and actually lose weight. So that really dramatically shifted um, things for me.
0: I know you're very open about this, and this yeah. trauma was something that really changed your life. Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so we were we were living down in South Africa, and I was um, uh, my my wife and I were working as um, uh, facilitators for for underprivileged youth in this program in South Africa, and so we were out living on a nature reserve, and. Um, it was only two weeks after we had arrived there. And, and uh, so just to sort of set the lay of the land, um, there's kind of four buildings in an L shape. So at the top end of the L you have like the dining hall where all the students are, then you have like the students dormitory and the next one over is like the students uh, sort of wash facility and washrooms and stuff. And then tucked off to the side on the, t- on the bottom end of the L is where the instructor's cabin kind of tucked away in the bushes. And so it was, it was it was evening, everyone's in the dining hall, eating, having dinner, I'd finished my dinner early. And I was walking back to the instructor's cabin. So there's, you know, it's maybe, you know, 150, 200 feet kind of thing. Um, it's nighttime. It's dark out. Uh, we're out in a nature reserve. So there, there isn't like a lot of light out there. There's a few, but they try to keep it not too much because, you know, they don't want to disturb the natural habitat too much. Anyways, the, the, the cabin door was slightly ajar when I was walking back there. And I, it didn't really like, you know, tweak anything in my brain at that point in time. And it should have. But um, when I opened the door, there was three men inside the cabin. And they were they were sitting around the table and eating what's known as rusks, this hard biscuit that they eat in South Africa, and drinking rooibos tea. And at a still, something didn't quite like twig in my brain because I, I looked at one of their faces and like, oh, I recognize you, and it was it was one of the rangers, but he was not in uniform. And you know, it's crazy because the first thought that went through my head was like was there something wrong in the cabin? Had they come to fix it? And I was like, I don't remember, like, asking them to come fix something. So but, kind of
0: an innocent, you were sort of innocent right,
1: about it. Right, right. You know, it was, it was a Monday, and maybe someone on the weekend had reported an issue. But, it, you know, it should have occurred to me, always hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like, it sure, <laughs> should, have, of should have occurred to me that something was really wrong here. I didn't see the fourth guy, and he was outside the cabin. He must have been keeping watch and sort of hiding in the dark. And he hit me across the head with a rock. And so... <sighs> Um, that was when I, all of a sudden I realized like something's really wrong with the situation. And then now my brain trying to process like everything that's going on. Of course, I'm now stunned because it's been cracked across the skull with, with, with a rock. And, and, you know, the, the part that really sticks out to me was like him grabbing my, my shirt. So I was wearing a, like a collared golf shirt and, uh, him grabbing like the scruff of that shirt uh, with one hand and swinging this rock at my face with the other hand. Oh my God. And, and, uh, he had a smile on his face while he was doing this. And so that you know and and of course I get hit the second time and now I'm like blood is pouring down my face <sighs> and and um, I'm I'm concussed and I'm stunned and I'm like, what, you know, trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And really, I think at that point, it's just like, you know, primal instincts kind of kicking in, but I've stumbled, I've fallen to the ground and, and they basically just jumped on me, like, and started kicking and boot stomping me and, and, uh, like it was, it was their intention to beat me to death. Like this wasn't just uh, we're going to rough you up a little bit. It was like, um, were they trying
0: to rob you? What was their, uh,
1: that, that that was a part of it. Um, but there was kind of more to it and there's kind of a cultural aspect to it, um, because it actually, they'd beaten it a, uh, a, the night before. They'd beaten a guy to death as well, and so they um, they kind of the ranger must have let them into the reserve. And and I don't know how, how they found out that the, you know a couple of white people were out there because this was this was racially motivated. Like it had nothing to do with me personally, um, but it was racially motivated. So I, I say that um, like I was a representation of something they felt had historically oppressed them, and uh, whether or not that's true, I mean I'm, I'm from Canada. I'm not from South Africa. That was the situation I was in, and so. Um, you know, I, I am like pretty big and strong and, you know, I wasn't unconscious. I was obviously taking a beating, but, uh, and, and I was stunned and, and it's dark and, you know, and I'm hollering for help and nobody's coming because they can't hear me. They're, they're a hundred, you know, a couple hundred feet away in this building where everyone's making noise and having a good old time and stuff. And, and, uh, but I was able to kind of get to my, like kind of onto my hands and my feet and sort of stumble, crawl and, and kind of make this, make this beeline for the, uh, for the dining hall and, and why they didn't chase me, I don't know. They could have. They didn't, um, because it wasn't like I was moving quickly. I was barely walking in a straight line, you know, kind of thing. And then, uh, yeah, they also had knives, but they didn't stab me at that time either. Which thank I'm really glad for, you know. So yeah, but what a
0: thing to go through! Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. So it was. Yeah, it was just a really. It was a rough night. (laughs) Um, Uh,
0: Yeah, to say the least, and it triggered something in you. From yeah. that point which I would imagine would feel, we would all feel that way and from that point on that's sort of when you began to eat out of emotions and try to yeah, kind of suppress yeah. the I guess the fear the, the anger the, there's probably so many emotions that go with something like that
1: yeah there, there's a lot of mixed emotions um, and and like in the time that we continue to live in South Africa there's a number of other incidents that happened and and kind of what happens is trauma layers on trauma and, and uh, you move more and more into sort of this primal sort of survival state of being. Like you can, like it was like I could function in day-to-day life as though nothing was wrong because it was kind of dissociating. Um, but my entire like nervous system is triggered and we're on high alert all the time, always looking where we're going, always looking over our shoulders. Like it was really, you know, it, it's, very, it's very rough down there. It's quite a violent country. Wow, and... I
0: give you credit for staying. I don't know if I would have, to be honest with you, after something like that.
1: I think for us, it was like, uh, we were like, they're not going to win, you know, they don't get to beat mm-hmm. us, you know, That's that kind of That's a good way
0: to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, sure.
1: But, but, uh, yeah, eventually, like, I mean, I was, I was extremely angry a lot of the time. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I say I didn't set out to become a binge eating food addict, but it's basically what happened is food was a, was a tool for me. It was, you know, I didn't like what I was feeling. I could eat food and, and kind of soothe and medicate with it. And, uh, At that time, I didn't really have, like I was aware about sort of healthy eating and and being fit because I was fit and active and reasonably athletic, but I didn't really have any awareness, any EQ around this or emotional intelligence around this.
0: You know, I I always have said, I think uh, food addiction is one of the hardest addictions because you can say, don't drink alcohol or don't do drugs. You don't need those to survive. You need food to survive. So it's very difficult to to overcome a food addiction because we needed to survive. You can't just cut it off. And so that is a tough problem. So you worked with a coach and how many years did it take you to finally lose the weight, but not just lose the weight, change your mind and change the, the way you felt about food?
1: yeah well I, I had a couple of i tried coaching like before so there's probably about a six year because obviously we're condensing this into quite a nutshell but there's about a six year span where i was really like yo-yo dieting struggling with my weight i tried a lot of extreme methods to lose weight um because w- when we're in that state the idea is i want to lose this weight as quickly as possible because it's the source of all of my unhappiness when when the truth is the extra weight and the binge eating and the food addiction was really this the, the symptom of something deeper that was going on and so about after about six years of struggling and had hired a few coaches and it really didn't work because they didn't understand what was going on and I didn't really understand the type of help that I needed. Yeah, That's...
0: sure, here's a diet, follow the diet. I mean, we can look that up on the internet. That's yeah, not, yeah. right? I mean, it's it's more yeah. than that. For most people it is.
1: Yeah, and and so, you know, and I had this idea, like if I, if I just lose the weight, I'll be happy, but uh, so nobody really talked to me, especially being male and you know, the male, the male part of the fitness industry, like this is, it's starting to get talked about more now but it, it certainly wasn't back then, you know, go back six, seven, eight, nine years ago, like this stuff wasn't talked about. So when I hired this coach about four, a little over four years ago, and he started working with me on self-love and self-compassion. And that was a very unusual thing for a male coach working with a male client to be speaking about these things, at least in in, in my world. And so um, at first I was, I was quite almost like taken aback because my expectation was that he was going to you know, shame me, guilt me, tell me I was a loser, um, you know, tell me I was a failure, all these sorts of things. Because I'd also spent time in the supplement industry. Like I have a chemistry background and, and sort of connected to the bodybuilding industry and, and seeing all the body dysmorphia and orthorexia in that industry. So that had really colored my idea around fitness. And I think still a lot of people, their ideas around fitness are really colored by, by what they see on, say, Instagram or social media, like these fitness models and stuff. That's not the way that ordinary people go about getting healthy and fit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, it's an extreme, and not it many is. people can do that, even if they want to do that.
1: Well, it's not even enjoyable. Like that's true.
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, not. it's really your life. It's it's your entire life. I mean, A- most absolutely. people have jobs and children and other responsibilities, and can't go to that extreme. Yeah, it, it, that's very difficult.
1: So, so it was it was really this idea of of learning how to cultivate self compassion, and so that, that was the thing is, is you think, well, how, how do I learn how to do that? Because it's never nothing I'd ever done before. And again, it's not really talked about by men, and so I say it actually started with something as simple as brushing my teeth, and you would think, well, boy, that's awfully small, because people want to ask the question, well, "What did you do to lose a hundred pounds?" And in that question, kind of what they're looking for is, can you give me a template? Can you can you like just give me you know a, an action plan here, and I'll just follow whatever it was that you did. But the truth is, everyone out there is an individual. You have different life circumstances, different life experiences. The fundamental principles of a healthy lifestyle are relatively simple, but how you make them work in, for you in your lifestyle is going to look different than how I did it. You know. So what
0: do you mean by brushing your teeth?
1: So brushing your teeth is an act of self-care. It's actually a little micro-investment in your future health. You could call it like a little payment into your health pension. So by doing that, because I was operating from this place of belief that I'm uh, – you know that i'm unworthy of self-love that that i'm i'm less than that i'm a failure that i'm a loser and all this kind of thing and really uh, you know i was very like i almost like i loathed my body so now the the opposite of that belief is to actually show myself a little bit of care brushing my teeth is an act of self-care so we wonder how do we change a belief that we hold about ourselves that maybe we've held for many many years and it's like with a small action that's contrary to that belief So brushing my teeth is contrary to the belief that I'm not worthy or not deserving of self-love and self-care. And then you can build on that. And I think that's the really important thing that people need to understand is, is we have, we, we still are really get stuck in this all or nothing, go big or go home mentality that does not serve us or help us. It's this, you know, we, we have that desire because, you know, we just want to get it over with as though, I just want to get this over with and go back to living my life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: As if it's, ends really it never really ends i mean you continue to live you have to continue to make steps to improve yourself and and steps towards self-care
1: yeah well i I like the quote that like if your if your diet has an expiry date so do your results
0: (laughs) that's really good i like that a lot yeah
1: yeah and and that's the truth yeah let's
0: let's fast forward a little bit to where we are today and you actually used your experience to help other people which i love so much tell us what you do
1: So um, I I have a company called Freedom Nutrition Coaching, and that name actually came from a client who said to me, I don't want to live in nutrition prison anymore. And I loved it. I was like, you've really captured what so many people struggle with. They don't use those words, but like this whole idea around trying to lose weight and going on a diet, like they feel like they're in prison and being put in a straitjacket. And so I realized because of my own struggles, we have to do something different if we're genuinely going to help people. And so I focus on what I call brain driven weight loss. So we want to recognize if we want to lose weight permanently, we have to change how we live permanently. Now, In order to do that, we actually have to change the driver of our behavior, and the the brain is is what drives our behavior. Whether that's our habits, our psychology, our mindset, our beliefs, our sense of identity, all of these things, and even the environment that we live in, they all get our brain to direct our behavior. And so when we focus on this, because the brain has this really cool property called neuroplasticity, that's the brain's ability to rewire itself, that's how we learn. It's really cool. So when you think about it, like living a healthy lifestyle, is kind of like learning a new skill set, acquiring new tools. Mm -hmm. And once you acquire these tools, they're yours. So uh, I have a program called Lifestyle 180. And what we do in this program is we essentially help the individual reverse engineer their own healthy lifestyle. Now, that's really, really important. Here's why. If I just hand you a bunch of rules to follow, and they're my rules that I developed for my life and say, because it worked for me, it should work for you. Well, the moment those rules are taken away, you go back to whatever your default behavior pattern was. So in order to help somebody create permanent transformation, we now actually have to empower the individual. So you have to take onus or take responsibility. So let's say we'll start with a basic principle. I've got one I call EMS, eliminate mindless snacking. Now, there, you know, I say, I want you to take this principle and try to put that into your life. And while you're trying to implement it you know, day by day, I want you to figure out what works for you and what doesn't and what triggers you. So from there, we're going to learn and we're going to shape and we're going to adjust this practice to suit what works for you. Because ultimately at the end of our working together, I want you to have your own lifestyle built that you shaped, that you crafted. And so now when I stop working with you because our work is done, you don't fall back into old behavior patterns. You've created a lifestyle that you yourself enjoy and love.
0: It can be difficult for people because I'm thinking yeah. about my background. I'm Italian, and yeah. food was just a central part of our lives, and it was just it was part of you know we, we taught we were taught kind of emotional eating. Oh, <laughs> you know you, you did well on a test. We're going to go out to eat, or you Absolutely. you know you won the the softball game. Let's go get an ice cream cone. I mean that's typical American families. You know yeah. we. we Food is a celebration, but it also becomes a crutch in times yes, when you yeah. feel you're upset. You know, you've seen people eat just out of, because they're, they're sad or they're unhappy, or even out of boredom. It is attached to so many emotions. So yeah. how do you actually begin to drill down on that and, and start to break yeah. that cycle that's so ingrained in us? Well, we
1: have to have a reason to be willing to be a little bit uncomfortable, that's the truth. So weight loss itself is an uncomfortable process. Why? Because we're actually going against our biology. So our biology is such that our body, I say we have a famine biology. So our body wants to store fat. It wants to, because it, it, that's what kept human beings alive through thousands of years of not having food security. Like we didn't have fridges, I don't know, even hundred years ago, lots of people didn't have fridges, you know? Um, so we did not have food security. So our, our way of surviving was to store fat for periods of time when there wasn't food available. So that's our biology has not changed, but now we live in a twenty four seven feast world where,
0: <laughs> yeah. right, food is everywhere.
1: It's yeah. everywhere whenever and you want it. We're told, we're, we're we're encouraged. In fact, we're almost like manipulated into eating all the time. Like snacking was never a thing a few hundred years ago. It wasn't a thing. There was you didn't have enough food to like snack on. Oh
0: yeah, you, you just that's ate. True.
1: You ate it at like a set meal time, and it was like I mean, heck, I remember even growing up like. Oh, you're hungry cool dinners in two hours like just wait yeah that's how it was um now that being said like you won't ever find me say food is just fuel because it's not you're right it is social it is cultural there's history there's all these other aspects to it that can be a good thing but the problem is is when it starts to become the only solution to any time we feel anything uncomfortable that's a slippery slope
0: yeah and do you advise taking it One step at a time. I've interviewed people before on this nutritionist and so forth. And many times they say one of the biggest mistakes is people try to just, I'm changing my entire life. That's it. I'm eating celery and carrots and never again having an ice cream cone. And that just doesn't work. I mean, let's Ah. face it. But everyone wants to do it that way, as you say, because they want immediate results. It didn't take you a month to gain 30 pounds. It's not going to take you a month to lose 30 pounds. Yeah, weight weight loss is not Amazon Prime. Yes, right, exactly. It's not Amazon Prime, I like that. So when you work with people, I'm assuming you get their background, you get their history, Absolutely. and you find out what one step could you do this week or this mm-hmm. month, is that correct?
1: Yeah, Now, it's it's gonna look a little bit individual for people, right? But we, we could say like the fundamental principles of a healthy lifestyle are really not overly complex. Now, we sometimes want to make it complicated because we, we, we sort of equate complexity to this is probably going to work better and or faster or be easier and the truth is the more complicated you make it the more likely you are to fail and you're going to fail sooner but so i can explain from a brain perspective what happens when we when we we make the decision i am going to change my life so we could call this the resolution mindset because the most notable example of this is when new year's comes around and so yeah, so, so we, we, a new year represents a fresh opportunity. So in our brain, we start to picture, I am going to make these changes. And when I make these changes, here's how I will look. And here's how I will feel. And here's how my life is better. Now notice this doesn't actually have to do with a number on the scale. Like we, we a number on the scale is just a placeholder, right? It's a yes. placeholder for a future that we think is waiting for us. So you want to understand what is that future that you're picturing in your head? Now your brain, when you create that picture, doesn't distinguish between subconscious and reality so it starts to reward you with this brain chemical called dopamine and dopamine makes our brain feel good so that surge in dopamine feels like motivation now what it really is biologically is it helps us overcome our fear of change our natural resistance to change that's the push that gets us started but your brain can't keep you high all the time because if it did ordinary life would become depressing so it dials the dopamine back after a couple weeks and we feel like we've lost motivation the truth is we just had to get over the hump to get started and now we need something bigger or deeper to keep us moving forward
0: that is amazing and so how often do you work with your folks and how long does it generally take i'm sure it's different for everyone but in just a you know ballpark
1: well in general when people come to me one they've tried to lose weight a number of times and they probably have 40 to 80 or even 100 pounds to lose and so it's not a small amount of weight. If someone comes to me and says, I just want to lose the last 10 pounds, I go, I'm probably not the right coach for you.
0: Yeah, um, you've so, already done it, though. And that's one thing that you can yeah. say you've done it. And they probably like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so um, I'm I'm probably going to be working with someone for six to 12 months. And that's, that's the, the, you know, some, some of my clients have stayed with me for two or three years um, because losing weight is one piece of the puzzle, but keeping it off is the next piece of the puzzle. And so like one of my favorite clients, her name is Rhonda, and she... You know, she's lost 50 pounds, and it took about nine months at 60 years old for her to lose 50 pounds. But now for the next two years, she's kept that weight off. It's so, easy
0: to go back. Easy yeah. to go back if you can, if you let it slide, if you let yeah. those old habits or old uh, emotional eating yeah. jump in once again. So by working with you as a coach, she's able to check in. Yeah. and and just make sure that she's not going off the rails.
1: Well, here's the thing, life is going to keep throwing you curveballs.
0: Yeah. Like definitely.
1: like we're, we're all navigating uncharted waters every day right? Because we only live one day to night. lately, you know? Yeah. I mean,
0: th- this pandemic, none of us have lived through anything like this. So yeah. it's been crazy for people.
1: Well, it's, it's been very emotionally distressing. You think about like how, how the news media is constantly propagating fear more than ever. Like news media has always kind of put negative stuff out there because mm-hmm. it draws our primal brain in. Mm-hmm. That that's, that's how you get eyeballs on it, right? You show negative things, it triggers a survival response. We got to look at that because it's a threat. That's what our brain does. But I've never seen like so much sort of negativity and fear the being put forward and so many people are sort of being paralyzed by fear yes. in a sense
0: yes it can get depressing really to watch the news especially over you know when the pandemic first hit and there, there was well there was a lot to be afraid of let's let's sure. face it but it, you know it it almost becomes like right like paralyzing and what did people do they were stuck at home
1: mm-hmm. and they
0: ate and they ate the quarantine 15 you know we've all heard yeah. of that And then that's something that's hard because then you get kind of get stuck and it's hard to lose that weight as you said and what happens is then you gain more and Mm -hmm. more and at a certain point i don't know if you felt like this i'm sure that it can feel overwhelming like i have 50 80 100 pounds to lose now Mm -hmm. what do i do that's tough
1: yeah so so i like to ask the question well how do you eat an elephant one bite (laughs) at a time
0: (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> right.
1: So wh- why I use that analogy so often, though, is because what people are trying to do is the equivalent of trying to swallow the elephant whole in yeah. one bite. And you yes. can't. So, But we have this idea that the magnitude... So look, the problem has a, is, is large in magnitude, right? Let's say if you have 50 or 100 pounds to lose, that's a pretty big challenge you're up against. But the solution does not have to match that in terms of magnitude. In other words, the solution does not have to be as big.
0: Yes. My husband always says, every day you get up, make it one day closer to your goal, whatever your goal is. And one of my goals right now is between the holiday season is to work out every day. Now, I don't mean yeah. hard, core, crazy, sweaty. Some of those workouts are sure. like that, but I mean, play tennis one day, walk another day, do some sit-ups another, move my body every single yeah. day because between the over the holiday season that's that's a tough time people tend to put on weight so I'm just well, trying absolutely. to maintain yeah. <laughs> the over the holidays that's if, how if I'm you looking don't at it.
1: gain weight between now and the end of the year you're you're ahead of most people
0: yes because exactly.
1: we it we're, for for the northern hemisphere we're going into winter it's getting darker the days are getting shorter that kind of makes us feel depressed as well um, so we do just kind of want to eat and be indoors and be inactive I live in Canada sure. and and you know oh. we get a pretty we get a pretty cold winter here yeah you know we're gonna
0: get in your cocoon and just kind yeah. of eat your warm hot heavy stuff you know that just when you feel like doing it and I just read something pe- people put on several pounds oftentimes over the holidays and often they'll keep maybe one or two of them then they do it again the following year and the following year that's 2030 that's how it ends up, you, you look at yourself one day and go, what, what happened? You know, yeah. it's just that little, it just creeps up on you. So yeah. we really need to try to keep it in check. And I, you know, I love to work out and exercise, but I, when I say those words and people go, ugh, exercise, move, yeah. move some way, even if it's walking, yeah. something to get to get going.
1: Well, there's this idea that, yeah, again, propagated kind of by the fitness industry. And I don't mean to be picking on them in one sense, but, but like people who, who follow a fitness lifestyle tend to have a certain type of personality and, and, you know, they're really passionate about this stuff, but the average person doesn't have the same degree of sort of feisty passion for this. And the truth is, if we go back to our biology, our biology would like us to move less. Why? Because it wants to conserve energy because our biology doesn't know that we live in a feast world. And so our biology is such that hey if i can from the push of a button on my phone get food delivered to my door and not have to move
0: <laughs> yeah like Isn't we've won yeah. we, we've
1: won the biological lottery like we, we've won we've won food security for the rest yes. of our life so it, it's and, and yeah the, the the slow creep is is um it, it just sort of comes up on us and then we're like yeah. oh my gosh all of a sudden i'm 30 years older than it was i'm not 20 anymore and i'm 40 pounds heavier what am i going to do and so this is why I like the idea of investing in like our health pension. So like every every choice we make, every habit we develop is like a vote for the future we want to, to have, right? So every time you decide I'm not gonna do something active, I'm just gonna sit on the couch and watch Netflix and eat. That's a vote for the future that you want to have. And so when you think about it like that, because we think our small actions don't matter, but when, when in reality, like most of the weight gain happened because of small choices that were repeated.
0: That's a I love that you said that because everything builds upon itself, so one action, then the next action, and all of a sudden, you are where you want to be or where you don't want to be, depending on what those actions are, and we do have the control. Sometimes it feels as if there's an outside force. Yes. Sort yep. of commanding us to do it this mm-hmm. way, just because we always did it this way. We always, yep. you know, binged at night, or we always, you know, sneak that donut at work, or whatever, whatever it is. And it's hard to break that when you've done it. But when we realize we have the control, there's something so like you, for the name of your business, freedom. There's some there's freedom yeah. attached to that. But for people to get to that point, it's not always easy.
1: Well, so um, here's here's another thing to sort of think about. Um, if we, if we want to do this, like I said, it's going to be uncomfortable to lose weight. So we kind of, but when we acknowledge that this is going to challenge me, it's going to be uncomfortable, it actually gets easier. So I think one of the things that really trips us up is when we expect it to be easy, and we discover that it's hard. But if we expect it to be hard, we very often discover it's probably a bit easier than we were, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. But if you want to do this, you need what I call an emotionally compelling reason. So because it's going to be uncomfortable, human beings are actually willing to be uncomfortable for something that they feel is worth it. And if you don't have- Just
0: about anything in life. Raising, you know, good children. If you get an education, you had to give something up to get that. Anything in your life, you've had to give something up to get it, let's face it. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's the way it goes. I'm a recovered food addict, but I still kind of have the brain of an addict. So people would see my story, they see the before and after and, they think that I must be, I don't know, on cruise control and on an easy street. And in, in truth, like, it's certainly a lot easier than it was five or six years ago. I can tell you that. Um, but it doesn't mean I'm not challenged every day in one sense. And so, but I have a very good reason why I, I keep doing this. And for me, it's my son. I say, I do not want to be a sideline dad. I don't want to be on the couch saying, I'm sorry, daddy can't play with you because he can't get down on the floor. That's not going to be my future. So when it's a battle between, you know, do I want to eat that chocolate bar or that bag of chips? versus because here's the here's the kicker fat cells that keeps on giving right yeah (laughs) once you make a fat cell it's yours for life you can shrink it you can empty it but it's there always waiting to be refilled that's that biological efficiency and so because i've been obese i have a bunch of fat cells in my body that might be small and empty but the moment i start eating in like a massive calorie excess boy they'll mop all of that up and it's crazy how fast i can regain weight so I have to make uncomfortable choices every day, but I do it because I love getting on the floor and playing with my son. We have like a dedicated playtime every day where just him and I play together, you know? Oh,
0: that's so nice. And how old is he?
1: He is just over eight months old. Yeah. Uh, well, so when you
0: get a little older, I'm older than you. You start to think about not just you want to get on the floor and play. You want to be yeah. around for for your kids in, in the long haul. And when yeah. they start to have kids, and you start to think that way, you want to be here, not just to play on the floor.
1: <laughs> well, 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 here's the here's the kicker. So I, I'm I'm close to forty, which you probably say I'm still still a spring chicken, but I'm like, yeah, I, I'm you me. know. <laughs> but but the thing is is so my kid's gonna be one, and I'm gonna be forty. My kid's gonna be ten, I'm gonna be fifty. Yeah. You know, he's gonna be graduating, I'm close to sixty. Yeah. And I don't that's... want them to be like, Oh, it's so nice you brought your grandpa to graduation.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, you have a good motivating factor. And I think for a lot of people, people love their kids and yeah. they wanna be around for their kids and they wanna set an example. But as yeah. I said, it is, you know, very difficult to break those habits. But that's why we have people in the world like you who are helping people out to, to finally get to where they want to be. And again, what is the name of your company and where can people reach you?
1: Uh, so Freedom Nutrition Coaching. So it's, it's freedomnutritioncoach.com is, is my website. Um, I also run a podcast called Between the Before and After. Um, it's, I run it as a live a live broadcast as well. So anywhere you can find Freedom Nutrition Coaching, you know, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook, you can catch a broadcast uh, a couple times a week there. Um, But really what it is is so on social media we see the before and after but we don't actually see the story that takes place in between and I really want to share people's stories Um, Mm -hmm. so we understand the reality of what it's like to actually try to create change and transformation.
0: Oh, yeah. You see a lot of the, you know, somebody overweight and then you see them thin. What, what do they do to yeah. get there? You know, you don't want to just see the end. You want to see all the nitty gritty, dirty stuff in the middle. Yeah. And it can be sometimes. And, you know, the messy it's middle. not always a straight line up. It can yeah. be it can be a roller coaster, which which is tough. But I will put a link to your site in the show notes. Awesome. And yeah. um, I thank you so much for sharing such wonderful Great tips, and your knowledge is is vast on this subject, and I really do appreciate that. And it's great that you're doing this for your son and your wife. I know who absolutely stuck yeah. with you the entire way, who was a great yep. support for you, which is a, always a good thing to have. So thank you again, Jonathan McClernan, emotional eating weight loss coach. We thank you so much. Thank you. All right, you take care, and thank you for joining me for Living Well with Robin Stoloff, and we'll see you next time.